This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Welcome to the 3D Pod. I'm Maxwell Bogue, and joining me as always is Joris Peels. And together today, we'll be discussing 3D printers, the low-cost, affordable versions, and getting started in them. As we come on to this holiday season, we're going to look at what's an affordable entry-level 3D printer that's available on the market and what are their advantages and disadvantages. How are you doing, Joris? Oh, I'm doing well and uh, really excited to, to be talking about something like, yeah, this emerging category of uh, 3D printers. I mean, what we're seeing, and this has been one of the most competitive areas in, the, in the 3D printing, like when 3D printing started for consumers, uh, we had the 3D uh, at home uh, kind of uh, the fab at home guys and they were marketing their kit for several thousand dollars that didn't really work and only when a couple of years later the rep wrap uh, people started selling kits or promoting kits like 500 to a thousand dollars did really the home 3d printing thing really take off and we were seeing that these kits were essentially being then offered for around twelve hundred dollars and you got a thing that didn't work worth a damn in the beginning you know that as well i mean it was horrible and uh <laughs> <laughs> wood. And, and, Nothing's yeah, better than uh, wood for wood. making the case. <laughs> no, but, no or you, would, you would build these things, and then you would be like, wait a minute, how could someone else build it? it the manual is wrong, right? <laughs> the, the, bomb, the bomb is missing stuff. Like, what, what's going on? So, uh, you know, so, so then, you know, we saw a category of $1,200 printers emerge. And at first, these didn't work, you know, and, and I think the really cool thing about 2019 and being in this place is that we're now seeing... $1,200 printers that are quite good. And we're seeing a bigger category emerge around the $2,000 to $5,000 printers where we're seeing like, you know, really high-end kind of more office-type friendly systems. And we saw this new emerging category uh, that's being pioneered essentially by Chinese companies that is like an area of murderous competition where we're getting printers of around $100, $200, $300. And these are, are a lot of you know, Printerball was a really beloved company, and uh, everybody really liked them. And they made really good systems, and they were essentially wiped out by this development. And a bunch of other people are as well. It's making 3D printing more accessible, sometimes with like a lot of problems and a lot of low-cost systems that kind of disintegrate within a couple of months or a year, uh, with really low-quality components. But there are some printers in there that that kind of work for 200 bucks or 300 dollars, and that's that's you know I think I think we need it in this segment. We have to say like. You know, this is not if your mom would say she just wants to print and make stuff for whatever hobby. No, this is not going to work. If you have somebody that's unwilling to tinker or really, you know, I would also be a little bit uh, reticent to, to try to get them in this category. But it is making 3D printing way more accessible than than the $1,000 and the $5,000 printers. And this is really where a lot of innovation is happening and a lot of destructive stuff. Essentially, many of these systems, hundreds of thousands of them, are Prusa i3. And they're Prusa i3 copies and they're value engineered to sometimes work well and sometimes not work at all. But there's a lot of other reference architectures there, and there's a lot of other uh, kind of printers in there that are, are playing a, a part in this market. So essentially, we've got a couple of like, like really interesting things. Like we've got uh, we've got Anat and Creality. They're really huge, uh, along with XYZ Printing, and then Mono Price. And these are the largest vendors in the 3D printing space. And we've got companies like Flashforge, which has been along a really long way as well. And these are kind of the main 
companies. There's a bunch of other ones, uh, really, but those are the ones, main ones I think we'll focus on today when we talk. And uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's the market. It's, it's a really exciting space and a lot of stuff changes. And, but, you know, we do have to caution people. If you're buying a printer like this, there have been problems with these things catching fire. There have been problems with these things short-circuiting and doing all sorts of things. So, you know. And there, I'd like to point out there's software... Their software is usually not particularly great either. No, totally. I mean, I think I think the whole experience is not like plug and play or right click and print or one click printing. That's like we're very far away from that. Yeah, <laughs> the industry has some some ways to go before we've achieved really a true consumer 3D printer that's controlled by a computer. I definitely think so. I think I think okay. If we do our looking at uh, this is one uh, very interesting uh, device that I know you're going to want to talk about because. I think I'm not as into 3D pens as you, <laughs> but but I think what is the interesting thing about the 3D pen is that it does kind of, kind of it is anyone can use one. So talk to us a little about what's happening in 3D pen land because I do think that's kind of where we want to be with the printers in the future, and and the price points are lower than anything else on these pens at the moment. I mean these the pens are a consumer product, so the 3Doodler being the forefront of that, having invented the category and being one of the inventors of that category, uh, I can say that they're, in general, have become a lot more user-friendly, a lot more stable. Um, there are still, obviously, in the same way that there are low-end kind of junky China crap uh, available, that isn't going to last as long. So there is a, a reason that some of them cost more and some of them cost less, and that has to do with the same reason that some printers cost more and some printers cost less, is that it's the quality of the build and the quality of the materials and how usable they are. Uh, and how friendly they are for the consumer. But I think that 3D pens are a really great way to get started. And unlike, you know, if your mom, for example, wants to put around and make things, um, a 3D pen is a lot more reasonable uh, as a lower entry of barrier for both price point as well as the skills needed to use it. I mean, essentially, you are the XYZ arm and you're using the extruder head from a 3D printer to create three-dimensional objects. So yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a big proponent of them and I think they're great. They're also a great add-on for a traditional 3D printer as they can be used to fix and weld uh, pieces together uh, as an alternative to using either glue or if your printer makes a mistake, which they always do, it seems, um, this is a great way to save a print. Uh, I'm guessing in the 3D pen world, you're also getting like Chinese 3D printing pens, like lower and lower. How do you guys keep ahead of that? How, how do you like, you know, stay afloat where like people keep getting cheaper and cheaper pens out? Uh, at the same time, the cheaper and cheaper pens, which uh, obviously do violate our IP, we attempt to, you know, stem the tide as much as possible since they are copycats and they do uh, go on that run. But also, a lot of the times people try them. There are you know twenty five and thirty dollar pens out there that that will last like a day or two, and then just simply break. Um, and then that's part of the reason that we spend so much time making sure that our pens are of high quality, as well as why we have um, warranties for up to a year on all of our pens and twenty four seven customer service that can pick up the phone and help you solve any problems. So largely, it's service as well as the universe we built around it. We're the only ones that have. Accessories, the ability to change the nozzle, for example, to different sizes. It's really like having six different pens, because you can have different sizes, different shapes to make different kind of things, as well as the quality of our material. You know, we're getting our plastics from the United States, the United Kingdom, and that really helps in making these doodles because that the Chinese plastic tends to have a lot more moisture in it. 
as a result, uh, it, it bubbles a lot and it's, it jams a lot easier um, than the plastics that we're sourcing. Okay, so I, you know, in this category, you'd be like, yeah, let's get the 3D Doodler pen because it's amazing, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, have um, we have the kids one, yeah. which is just yeah. a low temperature plastic that's perfectly safe. And then the mm-hmm. Create Plus, so the 3 dealers start, which is battery powered. Uh, yeah. And then the Create Plus, which is uses the more traditional filaments like ABS, PLA, Flexi, and, and the wood filaments uh, that we offer. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, are there, I still am amazed that not more people are like adding these things to printers themselves, right? Yeah. Like coming up with like motion stage and the pen. Uh, I still don't understand this. <laughs> uh, I'm surprised that more uh, manufacturers of printers aren't just like including one in the box, so to speak. Yeah. Help. Yeah. Because the one person, all of a sudden, I don't remember what the thing was called. They, they, they started selling like it was like a heat gun, essentially. But it was like, or it was a welding uh, pistol thing. And, they, and, and there's two different incarnations of this. And essentially, their idea was to melt down the prints to, to, to also to, to repair faults. And that seemed yeah. like everybody was like really excited about that. And then no one ends up buying one or something. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Like I saw that come out and I was like, oh, yeah, it's you know like the hot end of the pen. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then... It just never went anywhere. I think in some yeah. ways it's not as versatile as having a 3D pen or having a 3D doodler that can can do that same thing as well as extrude plastic. So I think it's like a little too focused. Also, the market is still relatively small on the 3D print side. You know, there are, yeah, million mod 3D printers out in the market. I mean, you'd have a better idea. What's What do you think the number of desktop 3D printers are in the world right now? Uh, I'd say a million. So given that, it's still a relatively small market of consumers that are looking for something so specific. And most so how many 3D products. pens have you guys sold again? You told me at one Over point. Over 2.5 million. Wow, that's just you guys, right? That's us. So we, yeah. we are the, the most popular. And the consumer product. Yeah, it's a consumer product, exactly. And we're the most popular 3D printing device uh, in the world as a result. Yeah, that's crazy, dude. But okay, so the, do you do you really think? Okay, let's imagine we make printers cheap or like like more reliable and easier to use. Do you think we can get those kind of sales figures? Or I don't I, until the software issue is solved, because you still have to go even using like something like Tinkercad, which is great and fun and easy. You still have to sit there for like hours and make this three-dimensional object in software, and then print it out. And mm-hmm. you have to remember the restrictions on the printer in terms of what it can do and what it can't do, because it can't bend the laws of physics. Um, mm-hmm. So the, it's really that learning curve. And the 3Doodler the has a 20, 30-minute learning curve on the Create Plus and a 5, 10-minute learning curve on the start. So mm-hmm. it's just so much easier to get started with those than the printers. I, I love yeah. my printers, but don't get me wrong. Like They, they serve mm-hmm. a very important purpose. Um, mm-hmm. And the 3Doodlers are really a different kind of device. Like, yes, they can make... 3D objects like a printer, but you can also use them a little more personally. Like I know people that use it to fix car parts, um, vents and stuff like that. Things that you you know you're gonna make that part and then print it out and then stick it in, or you're just gonna fix what you have. It's gonna be a lot faster to just fix what you have. And this is an interesting question when you talk about the learning curve. What do you think the learning curve is on a a printer now? I mean. Yeah, I don't know. This is multiple guess territory. I mean, yeah, I think, yeah. I think uh, at one point I did I did figure out that it would take like around 200 hours for people to get, you know, a part semi-reliably from a printer. 
but then also the unpacking times were higher, assembly was higher, there was more fiddling, you know, features like, you know, automated leveling and stuff like that are more standard. There's also more information out there right, on forums. And, I mean, and you can just download parts from like Thingiverse or whatever and then print them out. So yeah. if, if you don't want to spend the time learning the software, because yeah. I think learning the software, you know, from start to finish took me a couple months to get yeah. good enough that I could make reliable parts, ignoring yeah. the printer's restrictions and printer's screw-ups. Um, yeah. So, and it's a really iterative, iterative process, right? Where you trial and error, where you're trying out, oh, I'm gonna make this part. And then you're like, oh, that the printer does not like that, <laughs> or that is not, yeah. the, the resolution isn't high enough on the printer to do a, you know, 0.25 mm wall, for example. Mm -hmm. And the orientation of the part matters. So even even the software to tell the printer what to print, like you have to orientate it correctly. So yeah, there's a lot of fiddly learning that, um, I mean, it's, it's definitely gotten better than when the first desktop 3D printers have come out, but I still think we're, we're years away from uh, kind of a out of the box experience, like a microwave oven almost, if you will. And even then I question how many people really need one in their home, like this vision of, Printing a replacement part for the washing machine has all those issues that we've discussed in the past of like, are you going to make the part from scratch or, or is manufacturers going to offer all of the parts that are printable on their website so you can download them? So that's just a fundamental shift in how people tend to think about things. What are your top tips for somebody who's like completely new? If you knew nothing, like, like what's your, what, what advice would you give someone? Because we are going to tell them that they should buy a 3D printer, right? I mean, are you yeah. really thinking like, or is our advice like, don't do it, walk away? <laughs> is it only, only, I, I, only, I, I, this is only a good hobby if you like, like stuff breaking, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the top tip was, is patience. Okay. Uh, 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 and even though like it's, it's instantly makes things, it doesn't instantly make things. It takes time to make things. And then to do, like with anything else, to do it right, it'll take even more time um, yeah. to, to do it. So I, if you're interested in making things that you want to try out and prototype and stuff like that, that's what it's mm -hmm. really good for. And that's the purpose behind a 3D printer initially anyways. And yeah. You have to get to the industrial ones before you start seeing like, you know, I've got a part I can put in a plane. Yeah. <laughs> And to, to, for me, the, the top tip I see, first off, I'm, I'm the only one that does it that I know, is put your 3D printer on the ground because there's less uh, vibration, there's less feedback, and there's less kind of movement and stuff. Uh, so you get better parts off of like, just because they call it desktop 3D printer doesn't mean you have to put it on a desktop. Yeah. Uh, and I'm still the only one that does this, but I'll, I'll go out of my way to, 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 to give this advice that no one follows. Uh, and also, like one of the big things I think is you know, people vary settings and material too much in the beginning. Oh, let's try blue. Let's try red. Yeah. Know? And all these materials have different temperatures, uh, different maybe even extrusion um, speeds, and and they're all and they also might even be from a different vendor, or they might even be a different surface roughness or something. So there could be a lot of different variables in that. So you know, in the beginning, just stick with like one material, and then don't try to you know don't. So don't but, change too many variables and don't change the colors, right? Or don't change the material. Just try I, the first on, one material. On the materials, I'd also say, like, start with the manufacturer's materials because yeah, yeah. they designed yeah. the machine with that in mind. Uh, and I, you know, when I first got, uh, I had an Up 3D as, like, my first one, which is a great little printer in, back, back in the day. And initially I bought their material and I was like, this is great. And then I bought some MakerBot material and it just 
it wouldn't separate from the bed anymore and I couldn't get the supports to, you know, they would all fuse oh. together. And then I realized that it really does make a difference. Like plastics surprisingly have a lot of variation in them. The other thing that I learned is uh, don't put it by an open window if you don't have a casing around it. Ah, uh, yeah. Airflow is terrible. Like exactly. air conditioning as well. Yeah. Any, any kind of yeah. air conditioning, heating, anything like that is going to yeah. affect it okay. with an open system. Okay. Are there any uh, systems that you're that are available right now that are like okay? What are we defining as this entry level 3D printer? Anything from whatever price to let's say about 500 bucks now? Yeah, I think? that's I think that's a reasonable price point uh, entry wise. Um, and is there anything you we like or you're familiar with that you want to talk about or? I mean, I like some of the price at that price point. They're low cost and their bigger <laughs> printers are are good. So the software behind them I think is strong. And I think they're, you know, they're reasonable getting started printers. They're not great, but none of the printers in this category are going to be like fabulous printers. No, great. So I was just said, limit people's expectations at this price point. Like you pay what you get for, essentially. Yeah, I totally you agree. get you get what you pay for. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you. I think the DaVinci. I think I think you know, Supreme Value Engineering by them. They really come from the printer background. They make tens of millions of two uh, D uh, printers a year, uh, millions of phones, and that kind of thing. And that, that gives them a really good understanding of uh, this value engineering. And, and I love trying to spot the parts that you could find in your your desk jet and yeah. <laughs> in the DaVinci printer. So. <laughs> I hear you're gonna get something that you know. If you're gonna get started quicker than one of these other people, you're gonna the learning curve initially is, is I think much better for the user. I think eventually you're gonna be a bit more limited than if you would get like a Prusa i3 clone. I think. Right. Uh, there's only so many things you can change. There's only so many, you know, things you have access to, and also the, there's there's less of a community around these kind of uh, devices than than uh, some of the other ones. Uh, what what are some other ones that you, that you like or don't like? I don't know if. You, want to do that we want to, i don't know if by being mean in this category is actually even, I, I don't know if mean. I will even worth that, it <laughs> i just will point out i i had an m3d printer and yeah. the build quality of the printer is quite good but the software yeah. is a nightmare and it was uh i never was able to actually get it to print never <laughs> like nope. nothing nothing because i couldn't get the software to work with my computer oh god yeah, yeah. and and oh, it's 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 the printer itself, I could tell, was very well put together. Yeah. But yeah. if you can't use it because of the software issues, it's a little more difficult. Now, they've made changes and they've introduced a different printer now, and I don't think they're really pushing on that category anymore, the low-cost printer. But, uh, yeah, that, that was one that I was like, man, um, who else do you like? Who do I like? I mean, I, I think... Uh, I, I like Monoprice, what they're doing. They're essentially taking, like, the Malayan or other kind of, like you know, hidden gem kind of printers and they're like slapping their name on them, changing like really slightly little things about them uh, and then selling them for, for, for really low amounts. I mean, again, this is uh, the M, uh, I need to check the name for, for this, this as well because I always get them confused, but the MP, the M, yeah, which one is it again? The, it's the MP, MP Select. The, yeah, the MP Mini Select is the one with the community, right? So that's the, that's the one that has, I'm part of their Facebook community and then there's the MP Select Mini Pro which is like a metal one that actually looks really nice. I think it's the nicest looking printer in this kind of category. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, like a, there's a stainless one that's really kind of cool looking. There's also the Pixel, which is a newer thing, and they have a bunch of different ones. But this is interesting because it was, it was a product that was kind of broken, and then on Facebook, this entire community coalesced around it, and, and then there's so many people modeling these things and kind of um, adding them. And it's kind of like you know what you see with these 
you know, these Volkswagen Beetles that became beach buggies. It's kind of that kind of thing. So, yeah. so the community there is good. It's, it's like, you know, the, the, the pro version or the older one, I think they're about 200 bucks. I think for 200 bucks, you got something that with a little bit of help and a little bit of patience and a little bit of reading a lot of forums and responses and my MP mods and all this kind of stuff, well, actually, yeah, we'll give you some, some value. There's, a, there's, there's value there. What about the Flashforge? Uh, I, I like Flashforge a lot, actually. I think initially they were a very uh, the attack of the clones kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were doing uh, kind of stuff that was, you know, but I had people that had really good experience with them. There was other people that were making similar machines that were kind of very indistinguishable uh, because uh, there was a high degree of likeness with well, either the Ultimaker model or um, uh, the Makerbolt uh, model, too. And um, but these the flashboards tend to last and tend to be okay. And now I think uh, the Finder. I'm a huge fan of uh, the Finder model, uh, which I think is is, is is like a yeah. I think is a really good value printer. And then you've got the Adventurer Three, which really to me with an enclosed space and, and, and all the stuff going around it. I've also heard good things about that from with users. It's got it's fairly new, I think. And that to me, the the Finder is a is a really you know that's a solid printer that now kind of have a has a has a, has a track record. And then you've got the Adventurer Three, which is newer, I think. And it's got an enclosed space around it. Um, and and then there's there's film end detection. There's Wi-Fi. There's a heated bed. Reportedly, uh, the, the, the nozzle removal is easier. Uh, so it's not like you have to disassemble everything, which leads to more errors by the consumer as well. But it's, it's all at the same time, it's just like, you know, it's they've thought about this. This is really kind of like you're talking, you know, you're not just saying, oh, what did Prusa do? And then let's copy it. This is like, you know, they're thinking about users. On the slightly higher end, I'm a big fan of the Snapmakers. I don't know if you've... Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't had one. 700 to 800, so they're a little bit out of what we were generally talking about, yeah, but okay. they you have modules so you can replace the print head with a, um, with a drill bit or a laser. So it's a laser yeah. cutter and a CNC and a 3D printer. So it's a nice all-in-one, but it is, it is more yeah. expensive as a result. Uh, but I think it does really good prints, and... Uh, the see the the lasering and the drilling are all really well done uh, and easy to use because it works with like uh, you can use Adobe for the lasering and you can you know to set up the laser cut. I I've never I've never even played with one actually so I, I should really maybe look around to see if I know someone with one or, or that's interesting I've, I don't have an experience with that one. More stuff. Uh, yeah okay the Anet and Creality uh, you know you can you can you have a really strong opinion. On both of them, depending on who's who's uh, paying right, your marketing me. dollars. <laughs> Maybe you're like a YouTube user, and you've noticed that there are an awful lot of reviews of certain printers, and not a lot of certain other ones. Uh, and that's yeah, this is affiliate marketing thing. I think they have made the business a lot bigger, and they have really grown this. They're both very aggressive companies. They're very aggressively put models on the market, and very aggressively made things that sometimes work and sometimes don't work. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and and and, and uh, you know one of them has a worse reputation at the moment than the other one. I don't really agree. I think I think it depends a lot on the individual model and the individual printer. I think they're both okay if you know what you're doing. So the Creality Ender three and the Anet Plus one, you know, it's it's if if you're kind of a you know if you're a kind of semi techy person or just really good with the internet, 
you know, you can find a lot of information about them. You can interact with people, and you can get good prints out of that. And and because it's it's just the design, the core design, the i three design is just amazing, right? So so you know, it's, you'll get there in the end. I mean, you know, they're not perfect, and you have to buy or beware on a lot of the stuff. But but I think uh, you know, for the value, we're talking about like two hundred bucks or something like that. I think it's a really good deal. What about um, resin-based printers? So now they're they're starting to come down in price. I mean, ever since. Um, Form Labs kind of introduced them as a more affordable version, uh, mm-hmm. but they've they've been in the thousands of dollars, and I think there are some coming out now in the lower price point between five hundred and a hundred dollars. Uh, have you had any experience with those yet? Yeah, so so it's really interesting because we're seeing a movement where lead and lead projection and just cheaper light sources have been uh, giving people the idea of like, wait a minute, we can really like get like a we can get a result out of these kind of lower cost kind of systems. There's only two that have like like any kind of installed base at the moment in this kind of low price point. The one is like I think it's called AnyCubic, which people are kind of okay with. Now the cool thing about this and why I think this trend is going to persist is the fact that an SLA printer. Uh, so it works on a, a, usually, well, there's different ways of doing this, but usually it's a one motion stage that lifts the part up from a window, right? The part has to be detached from this window because below the window is a light source. This light source goes through the window onto the build platform and then in the ball, the liquid in the, the resin. Yeah. Uh, resin tank eliminated or is limited is, is hardened because of the light source so the light is a photosensitive liquid so you can do this dlp is essentially doing a sensor that, that eliminates one whole uh, layer of a part at one time uh with sla you're using a galva which is essentially like this little spinning mirror you can find in well it's a different application for lasers or disco equipment uh, yeah the, and the, that the, little spinning labor will, will draw oh sorry i was just saying the laser projectors for discos yeah <laughs> uh, yeah yeah exactly or the yeah and moving and stuff like that but anyway so then um and the, that little minute mirror will then spin and illuminate whatever is going to become your part, right? Then the part has to harden. But you're talking very few potential parts, and very few parts have to be good, yeah. right? <laughs> if your laser still works and this mirror is still working, you know, there's a couple of key parts there, and the rest can be pretty crap for this whole system to kind of work well. So, so you can see, I can, I'll expect a lot of people coming up with like a lot of really interesting ways of of, of, of making this even cheaper. Uh, so there's only two: there's uh, AnyCubic Photon, I think, and then there's a Duplicator Seven by One How. Uh, those are the ones that uh, I think. There's other ones. XYZ is coming up with certain ones as well. But like, those are the ones I have. Has one too. Yeah, uh, now there's a flood of these things. There's a flood, and uh, uh, again, this is a relatively new uh, development. Excitingly, like in the level above, again, Prusa is coming up with a system that has a really good detachment uh, mechanism, which is the key uh, problem of this process. And 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 what's also happening is that more people are getting into selling these resins and stuff. We have to give the obligatory warning that these resins for these some of these SLA printers uh, can cause cancer, can cause in vitro cell death, and uh, will cause a skin irritation, allergy, a contact allergy that will build up over time on your hands and stuff like that. So you have to be super careful with these. I would not if I had pets or kids or something can knock stuff over or if I had small children in the house, I would not have an SLA printer in my house. But, uh, you know, just generally, I think I think that's a really exciting development. I think that could a lot of, I mean, I think for enabling hobbies, like if people figure out how to, you know, you can do casting, for example, lost wax casting. So imagine you're just a jewelry person who likes to make jewelry. This would give a whole new dimension to your work and... Imagine you want to make like little toy soldiers only that sized, and you can make a hundred of them in one go, you know, yeah. with a cast. So I think that's that's a really exciting uh, thing to some to a maker's arsenal. No, and it'll be fun to see it as this price decreases in this category. Because you're right, the 
the the SLAs, um, they really have so few parts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, generally, uh, one we missed, I think, I think the one thing I think was was a surprise for me. Other people have been into these things for a while. This, this JG Aurora ones. I had a friend who had one, and they were like super unhappy with it. So I never looked at them again. And apparently, they haven't got their stuff together. So so this is another Prusa i3 kind of model that's gotten its kind of stuff together. So that's another example of uh, these guys doing, you know, in my opinion, doing a good job of doing a kind of i3 kind of thing. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's a good printer in my opinion. Or for the for that price point, uh, around four hundred bucks. So it's a good system. That's a big. That's a relatively big plat- build platform as well for that uh, yeah. that price point. Which is another yeah, thing. Yeah. That you, you know, these lower cost ones tend to have a very small build platform. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, anyway, who 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 who? What is the ideal? Who's the ideal customer for this? Ooh. Who's going to buy this? Or who should? You were, t- you were talking about this a bit earlier, but. You know, that's a, that's a difficult question to answer. I think semi-experienced hobbyists or people who maybe have access to printers, say like in a, a college scenario where like you, you have a printer at the school that you can use, and so you're familiar with it, and you just want one to kind of putter around with, so to speak, uh, in the background, and not for these crazier projects um, or big things, just to try things out. That's who I would say. I had, night, uh, but, I had like a partial partial nightmare just now of imagining myself being a teacher and having 20 of these. Yeah, right? No, I would never want that. <laughs> That's a really bad idea. <laughs> I, I don't think, what I see is like a lot of educators yeah, going for these. They're like, oh, they're low cost and they're printers. And it's like, yeah, but you're not going to be happy when you put this in like, like what it doesn't belong in is like an elementary school or a high school. Uh, yeah, okay. Because they're good, they're too frustrating to use. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, on the level where you're willing to spend the time and the frustration factor with some of these printers, because there is a, a bigger frustration factor. And you know, when you go into the the higher cost printers, uh, I think a lot of ways that frustration factor starts coming down um, for mm-hmm. build quality and and mistakes and stuff like that. Just because once mm-hmm. again, you get. <laughs> so, oh, uh, I agree. I agree. But it's, I mean, it's crazy that, you know, to think, what, eight, ten years ago, you couldn't find a printer for less than a couple thousand dollars. I mean, even before that, you couldn't find a printer for less than 50000 So, <laughs> it's quite quite the change yeah. in the market overall. Right. A lot of disillusioned people out there where we sold this whole dream of like, yeah, print it now, buy it now, and print, and then at a time when these machines were not ready for it. Um, but generally, I think, yeah, how far we've come is amazing, I think. Yeah. I think we're starting to realize the the dreams that people talk about. Um, but just like with any new technology, you know, it always comes out, and everyone goes, "It's going to revolutionize the world." And then people look around after a year or two and say, "I oh, don't see anything different." You know, they said the same thing about the internet, right? Like in the early '90s, you know, it's going to revolutionize the world. And then people two years later are like, "I don't see it coming." And now mm-hmm. none of us can think of how to live without the internet. So yeah, what I think the mistakes that were made in deploying the desktop 3D printing revolution is that people were saying, this device is amazing. Get every engineer in your company to have one right now. And then it turns out this device was actually like really crap. It was like the crappiest thing that they'd ever bought, you know? And that I think is, yeah, that's going to lead to the, the, the upswing on the adoption, taking a little bit of time because people don't want to be, you know, um, burned uh, again. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But we're getting there, people. Don't give up. 
Alright, so do you have anything else to say about the market segment or anything like that? Or? No, I think I think that's a pretty decent uh, run-through on some of the lower-cost printers and some of our opinions of it. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, unless there's anything else that we or any other printers we're forgetting there. So I do think there, you know, there's an exciting market. There's hundreds of vendors in it. It's getting better all the time. So it's it's a very exciting time. Um, but we can't, yeah, we don't. This is not supposed to be a definitive list of of, of all the awesome printers. Yeah, this is just point. our personal favorites. Things that we, yeah, exactly. Personal favorites at the moment. Feel free to send us a printer and convince us otherwise. Oh yeah, by all means. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for joining us on the 3D Pod. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the show today, and we look forward for you to join us on the next one. And if you have any suggestions or comments, please feel free to reach out. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.